Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, David Reinbacher calls Lane Hudson the next Kale McCarr. Is it too much hype or not? We're going to talk about the Canadians' goalie plans in the AHL and beyond, and we're going to get into some of your listener questions. All that and more inside today's show. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 880 of Locked On Canadians. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast available wherever you get your podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, or if you are watching us on YouTube, subscribe there so you never miss one of our fantastic live episodes like we did Last Friday with Ian Bovera of the Build Podcast, talking draft and everything else. But for right now, I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matlin. I am once again joined by my fantastic co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it is a sad day because Canadians Development Camp is now over, which means we now fall slowly into the doldrums of summer where we get small signings. But we do have plenty to talk about in today's show. And how are you doing post Canada Day weekend uh, up in Montreal right now. I'm actually, I'm excited for this time of year because we're still going to be on. So for our listeners, we won't abandon you. We'll be on three days a week instead of five, starting, I think, mid-July. Uh, either way, we'll, we'll be producing plenty of episodes, and this is our chance to kind of go crazy, uh, try to get some guests we otherwise wouldn't be able to get, or try to have some conversations we probably wouldn't be able to. You know, a couple of years ago, we did a summer book club. Uh, just talking about hockey books, things like that. So for everybody, uh, like for listeners, we have been getting a lot of also segment suggestions from all of you. And now is the time that we're going to start putting them uh, to good use. And, and and so we'll have stuff for you all over the summer. So I am, though, sad, a little bit sad that, that uh, development camp is over because I was watching these little bromances blossom. <laughs> and I really hope that they exchanged their phone numbers and are going to text now throughout the rest of the year. And let's get right into it. Cause the big thing here is going into some of our development camp things. I had to miss the scrimmage day just due to work on fourth uh, of July in the United States. You know, people got to get their white claws, man. What can I say? Uh, I missed it. But from what I understand, three names stood out. Uh, Adam Engstrom, Lane Hudson, and David Reinbacher, which if you've listened to Patrick Bexell on this show, if you've listened to him on Twitter, if you've listened to prospect experts like Hattie Kalakesh and Sebastian High and other people, no one should be surprised that these are names that are dominating in the Canadians' development camp here. And the biggest one here is Lane Hudson and was on another level. And they paired him up with David Reinbacher, which just makes me giddy on a lot of different levels. And they were just on one at in this game, apparently, to the point that afterwards they were interviewed separately post-game. And in talking about Lane Hudson, David Reinbacher called him the next Kale McCarr. And I watched McCarr the year that he won the Hobie Baker playing at UMass Amherst because they were in the Frozen Four. Kale McCarr was a special talent. I don't know if Lane Hudson is at that level yet, 
but I damn well know that Lane Hudson has the ability to take over a game in a way Kale McCarr did. It's rounding out the rest of it at the next level, but I got to say, how can you not love a pair of prospects that have been together for three days and just immediately gelled together and put on a show like that? And yeah, it's four on four. It's development camp. Not everyone's going 100%. But that chemistry, that synergy, that whatever you want to call it is there. I'm sad Lane Hudson will not be at rookie camp because of NCAA rules, because the NCAA is terrible in a lot of different ways. But it is not hard to be giddy about the thought of that next year. There's a very good chance you could see Hudson Reinbacher either playing for the Rocket first pair, playing in the NHL potentially. It It's clear that it works. I am very excited. And before I pass this off to you, Laura, my favorite thing out of all this is that when asked about Lane Hudson's skill, Marie-Philippe Poulin, one of the greatest hockey players of all time, women's or otherwise, I will not hear your arguments on this, giggled when talking about how talented he is. How how do you not get excited? If there was a we're so back, it's so over needle here. Hi, Sean. It is just permanently stuck in the we're so back position for Lane Hudson. I'm giddy. I am absolutely like I have goosebumps level giddy for this. What can I say other than, I mean, I just, I look at that chemistry. I look at that, that skill. And I I just, I find that one thing that we haven't really noted too much about Lane Hudson um, is that whoever they put him with, whoever they have him, you know, do these scrimmages and practices or whatever with whoever his NCAA, well, obviously he played a lot on, on, on the same pairing, but he can make it work with anybody and he can in particular, which is what I love is make it work with large, safe playing guys because the Canadians have got quite a few of those now. (laughs) Um, And I think what's going to be key with all these defensemen like Caden Gooley uh, or, you know, or, or David Reinbacher or whoever is their hockey intelligence. If they can match Lane Hudson's intelligence I think that that's going to be working really well in the future because they, they, they don't necessarily have to have similar skills. They have to be able to complement each other. And you have to be able to complement that brain. You have to be able to complement that creativity. And on the flip side, you want Lane Hudson to learn a little bit more in his own end. And you want him to be a little bit more responsible defensively against bigger players like you know NHL-level players. So again, these, these large guys that he's practicing or playing with um, – really do kind of like will help him learn a little bit more of their side of the game like they complement each other and it just the way that he adapts is incredible and so for me like obviously this this year the big thing that we're looking out for is how does David Reinbacher perform you know what what can we see about this kid like you know is he really going to be the next great defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens why did they pick him at fifth and at the same time we're kind of getting a bonus side dish of lane hudson and that's the thing is like i i realize that as i'm going through and trying to plan out future defenses and future forward groups i keep forgetting players because there are a lot of prospects in here in a lot of different ways like we were talking about the h on i'm like i forgot about matthias norlander i forgot about william trudeau i had forgotten about Jaden struble a little bit and i look at the way this development cap went and hattie had a really good thread on twitter about that because he 
obviously knows a lot more in terms of uh, who these prospects are and what their game looks like than I do. And I will fully admit that. And the, the Canadians and rocket for the next couple of years have a lot of bodies, a lot, a lot of bodies here moving. We talked about moving Joel Edmondson out on Monday and that it almost became a necessity with some of these people that are coming in right now. And I look at this and I look at like, we haven't even talked about like Logan Mayu who has high end offensive upside with, with hockey IQ that needs to be worked in there. You have Jaden Struble, who is a freakish athlete on the ice and very fast. And you have, you know, Adam Engstrom who will be coming over from Sweden could jump right into the NHL lineup after this upcoming season. And I don't think there'd be an issue. Any Habs fan would be upset about that. There's so many potential options here, including some of the guys they just drafted, like the um, Bogdan Kunishkov, even though he's signed for three years in the KHL, by the time he's done there, he will be ready to come over. The Canadians are blessed in that if they can continue to use Adam Nicholas and follow their development, calling Lane Hudson the next Cal McCarr, if he continues this just rocket trajectory here, somehow David Reinbacher might have undersold him a little bit, which is just an absolutely wild statement to think about. And we will obviously be keeping a very close eye on this. We will talk with our scouting friends and our other friends around this throughout the summer and during the next NCAA season. But we're going to switch from an area of just loaded depth to an area where Ken Hughes is trying to figure out a solution. We're going to be talking about the goalies in the Montreal Canadiens organization. And that's all coming up in our next segment. But first, as we said, today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. And you can take a swing at betting on Major League Baseball and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. For just 20 bucks, you can land $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. And you can bet on anything from the over-under to the money line to who you think is going to hit the first home run in any game. All on that, that's safe, secure, easy to use. And best of all, if you hit that, if you hit your bets, you can get paid instantly, and there's no better place to bet on the MLB than at FanDuel America's number one sports book. So sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports book partner of Major League Baseball and us here at Locked On. And please remember, if you are ever betting on sports, to please bet responsibly and within your means. We are back here at Lockdown Canadians. We'll be back tomorrow. We are not going down to our summer uh, schedule just quite yet. In the next couple of weeks, we will, and we will tell you ahead of time on that. But before we do jump into our next one, please make sure you're following us on social media. What's left of Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. We are taking names for what are we calling the Hudson-Reinbacher pairing. Uh, my creative brain has not quite clicked into that yet so please we are fielding all of your suggestions in that laura we're going to talk about the weird the weird people in the canadians organization and no i don't mean the fan base i love you all i mean that in the most affectionate way possible we're going to talk about goalies uh but did you have a point before we jumped into that oh no i wanted to i wanted to say about the reinbacher lane hudson pairing is that it's kind of a scott and laura pairing uh you're very very tall <laughs> And I'm very, very short to the point where I can't even le- reach the light switch in my own room. <laughs> That's how short I am. Uh, I am five foot zero. <laughs> Everybody's always surprised when they see me. They're like, you seem so much taller on the podcast. I'm like, that's because I'm loud. Either way, um, that is why maybe that's why I like I'm like so into their friendship. Uh, also, just because somebody said that Lane Hudson was the next Kale McCarr. I think that's that's definitely up there. All right. Sorry. We can get back to the weirdos now. So the goalies here and. <laughs> 
I, I was thinking about this today because when I woke up this morning and I was on my way to work, the Canadians had signed another goalie, uh, Zachary Amond, who had played last year for the Utica Comets and a couple of games in the ECHL. Not a lot of game time at the professional level. Part of it, I assume, is injuries and maybe just not having the same opportunities here. He is signed to an AHL contract, as was Strauss Mann, who was signed uh, after leaving the Sharks organization after not being qualified. They are both on AHL deals for next year. And I have my kind of tier list of goalies in my head here. I'm not going to say in front of me because in front of me is my two screens, my microphone, a cat who is meowing very loudly, and some laundry that I have not folded and put away yet. But at the top, we have Samuel Montembeau and Jake Allen. Your 1A, 1B, NHL goaltenders guaranteed. That is non-negotiable at this point. Next tier down, the, the middle of the limbo tier here is Caden Primo. Likely would be your AHL starter next year. Needs waivers at this point. Not 100% sure if he would clear said waivers to start the season. And then into the AHL, your starting goaltender right now, or as of right now, is Jakob Dobish. He, those are your four goalies on NHL contracts right now. And then behind that, you have Straussman, Zachary Amond, and then unsigned from last year, Joe Verbatic, Kevin Poulin, and Philippe Derosier. There are six goalies in the organization, which three tiers, two, two, two. Great. Jakob Dobish and Caden Primo are your only two options for call-ups. And let's say Primo is already called up or somebody, and Jakob Dobish gets hurt or somebody is hurt there and can't be called up. You're running low on goalies here. And my my thought is this, is that Zachary Amon will likely be splitting time with either DeRozier or Verbatic at, in the ECHL next year. It makes the most sense. Imon does not have the NA, the AHL time behind him. Strauss man in his first year, I believe does. I'm just going to double check his stats here. Cause I did not uh, look that up fully here. Yeah. He played uh, for Haleftia in 21, 22, when he left the university of Michigan played for the U S at the Olympic games and the world championships played for the Barracuda for a bit last year, which Barracuda weren't great, put up okay numbers and then played a bunch of games in the ECHL. I'm very curious what the plan is because Strauss Mann and Zachary Amon at the ECHL level seems like a huge bonus. It'd be great. I'm just not sure Caden Primo clears waivers. And if he does, I'm then curious what the Habs and Rocket are going to do here because they have a lot of prospect goalies. They're going to have more coming soon after that. I am very interested to see what the plan is here. And I'm wondering if the plan is, are they going to trade Caden Primo and you run Dobish and man, and you add another ECHL goalie, which I'm sure you can find easily, or are they going to trade Jake Allen and go Montembeau Primo at the NHL level? And it's Caden Primo's time to sink or swim. I guess I'm, I don't know what they're going to do. They have so many goalies now half and half or half are on NHL contracts, half or not. And, I guess I don't really know what the plan is, and I would like to know what the plan is, I guess. Uh, I know goalies are not either one of our our expertises, 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 whatever it is. But, Laura, I'm curious what your thoughts are on what do we do with all the goalies now? I honestly, like, I, I kind of talked about this a little bit 
just a tease, you know, a goalie guest soon uh, on yesterday's podcast. And it really does feel like they're going to trade Jake Allen and they're going to have a shorter lease with K- leash with Caden Primo. That's truly how I feel, because at this point, Caden Primo cannot be sent down without clearing through waivers. Right. So it's going to be it's going to be one of those sink or swim. And then honestly, like if they have to send him down, it's not going to be a huge loss if another team cleans him off of waivers. Like, I think that's the way that they're looking at this is that it's now or never for Caden Primo. That's truly how I feel. I think like we can say that Jake Allen is good as gone unless we, they shock us and they just, they trade um, uh, Caden Primo and say, all right, Jake Allen can just be a deadline trade uh, asset or something like that. I just, I truly think that, at this point, it's like it's a now or never situation for Caden Primo. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing here is that, and I like Caden Primo a lot, and that I know goalies are a different development path than a, than any other player in a prospect pool, just based on the way things go here. And it's not wrong to say that. It is goalies take a different path. Some goalies come along great. Like, look at Aiden Hill. Aiden Hill was bouncing around the AHL and, like, backups on bad teams and just led the Vegas Golden Knights to a Stanley Cup. These things happen. Samuel Montembeau was an AHL goalie claimed off of waivers and the Canadians turned him into a 1B starter in the NHL. These things happen, and for Caden Primo, he's been fantastic at the AHL level, a little inconsistent at times, but when he is on, he's one of the best goalies in the AHL and looks like a future NHL, at least like a one B there, not a full bona fide starter. And I don't think that there is any more 60 game starters in the NHL because teams have realized that workload and all these other things there. This is his season to figure that out, to figure out what they have in him because he's in, I believe this will be the second year of his three year extension that he signed. And that if it doesn't work this year, you, you can trade him or you let him get claimed on waivers. There's one year left or something like that. I think they got to get a good offer for Jake Allen first. And I'm actually surprised we haven't heard anything about a Montembeau extension yet, but also draft camp, all these RFAs Montembeau is still signed for this year. So maybe not that same pressure behind that. I, I am curious at what our listeners think too. Would you guys rather trade Jake Allen, potentially get more for an established NHL goalie or trade Caden Primo and likely get futures or, a prospect in like a forward spot in the same situation where they're kind of a tweener. They haven't stuck at the NHL level yet, but they might've outgrown the age on in that weird situation. You can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. All I know is I'm hoping they add at least one other goalie in here because there were after injuries and everything last year, you can never have too many people at too many positions as we have learned very quickly. And hopefully Hopefully, my fingers are crossed, those injury problems are well over with. We will find out. I'm sure there will be some news coming down here. The Canadians seem to be trickling news out every single day here, bit by bit, which is perfectly all right with us, your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast. And we come back for our final segment. We do have some more of your listener questions. We're going to get into all those coming up next. We are back here at Locked on Canadians. We are going to dive into some of our listener questions. Laura has a handful. We're going to get to as many as we can in our final segment here. And if you ever want to tweet us mailbag questions at LO underscore Canadians, lockdown Canadians at gmail.com. If you have a little bit, you want to expand on, we will be back tomorrow. We're going to talk some Ryan O'Reilly rumors, some other things on tomorrow's show. So you're not going to want to miss that. Laura, 
what do we have left over in our mailbag right now? So this is a question that I'm going to ask, even though we got the question way before the draft, and it's from our good friend, Richard, the architect. Hi, Richard. Uh, so th there are two questions. With the Slaff in mind, just for a little fun, where would you have ranked him if he was in this year's draft? And as the draft will have happened by the time you guys read this, do you believe the player we picked would have been first overall worthy from Slaff's year? So where would Slaff rank? And would David Reinbacher have been first overall last year? Um, and then he has another question, but let's tackle this one first. My thought is Slavkovsky still probably goes just outside. I'd say outside the top five, just because of the top four centers there. Yeah, I think the four, or the four centers go in the same spot. And I do think if the, he was there at five, the Canadians would pick him at five this year as well. Uh, I'd say very easily inside the top seven this year, though. And the same goes for Shane Wright. If the Canadians had picked Shane Wright, I think Shane Wright would have gone fifth overall in this draft. And that is not a slight on him. It's just that the four centers who were picked before him in the draft this year are really good. Yeah. Have a much higher ceiling. It would appear. Uh, what was the second part of his question? Um, would Reinbacher have gone first overall last year? Yeah, I don't think so. I think, no. he would have, I think he would have still been in the top five though. I think so that if we're swapping basically Slavkovsky and Reinbacher in this draft, let's say for all intents and purposes, and the Canadians want a defenseman, I think they would have picked Simon Nemitz instead. If he because was available, yeah. He, yes, because he's right there and he has that same kind of, I don't want to say not flashy upside because that is underselling David Reinbacher by a lot. But I think that similar ceiling that the Canadians would have just picked Simon Nemitz instead then, or probably would have just picked Shane Wright if we're being honest. I don't think he would have gone first overall. Would not be shocked if he went in the top five in that draft as well. Um, and then another question from Richard. Uh, this is after uh, PLD was traded for, uh, to LA. How would you feel about a deal that sends Anderson plus someone to LA for Quinton Byfield. Now I love me some Quinton Byfield. I I'm for it. And I love the idea of adding Quinton Byfield at a certain point. You have to stop trying to rehab the prospects from other organizations. Kirby doc has worked out great. Alex Newhook is up in the air right now. Quinton Byfield is young, very young. It could be a star in this league. I have not looked up what his numbers look like right now, but like, I'm not opposed to adding him just because why not? It's another really talented young player down the middle there. Big kid. He played, he had 22 points in 53 games last year for the Kings, not anything to write home about. And then he had 15 points in 16 HL games. So he's in that spot where very clearly probably outgrowing the AHL or, you know, past the growing pains of that. Because I look at his time in the NHL, six games, one point, 20 points in 32 games in the AHL, played seven games at the World Juniors, 40 games in uh, with LA, 10 points, six points in 11 games with Ontario in the AHL, 22 and 53, and then 15 and 60, and then this year. I'm not opposed to it at all. And for twofold reason is that if you can bring Byfield in here in that modern power forward that he can be, and you shed Anderson's salary you've opened up so many opportunities to add other veterans to this team here. I would be thrilled if they could pull that off out of any first round pick playing for LA right now, though. I really do think Alex Turcotte might be the guy they get on the cheap and kind of put him in the AHL for a bit. 
He knows Cole Caulfield very well. I would love Quinton Byfield, but I can't help but think, oh, well, we have Quinton Byfield at home and they're going to trade and add Alex Turcott on the cheap just because with Dano and with uh, Kopitar and with Byfield and with um, PLD, you're going to run out of center spots here eventually. And you want to give these prospects a chance to play somewhere. I honestly, I agree, but I think it's worth listening to, but you're right about having, you know, not being the rehab for uh, other people's prospects. All right. We've got a question from our friend, Robert Rice. Do you get the sense that some of the Reinbacher selection backlash has to do with the feeling that if Mark Bergevin was still the GM, this is also the pick he would have made. With Haps fans long tired of GMs playing it safe, it feels like the flippant attitude is a sort of fan PTSD from the last 30 years of the organization. I definitely didn't like this choice, but I feel like part of it is definitely an underlying feeling of that is exactly what Bergevin would do. So this is interesting because that is exactly how I felt is that this is the the safe option. And I, we were wrong about Caden Gooley. We were very wrong about Caden Gooley. We will admit that. We were wrong about Caden Gooley. Like picking Ryan Paling was a safe pick. Michael McCarron, little bit of a reach. Uh, Nikita Sherback was not a safe pick, which the, and Noah Juleson was a safe pick. And they were not the wrong pick at that point in time, mind you. It's just that they were a safer pick, which is, it happens. I look at this and I go, I'm more willing to believe in what they're doing with this first overall pick and it being safe because I think they have an actual plan in place and they're not just picking safe because they are afraid of taking risks. I wish that they had done more with the draft otherwise to dissuade me from this, but I understand a little bit of the fan PTSD whiplash, whatever you want to call it, because it is very reminiscent of a Mark Bergman era pick. But I also think there's more upside here, more than just he will be a safe NHL player. Bottom pairing. I don't think David Reinbacher is going to cap out as a bottom pairing player based on every projection and prospect expert talking about it. Safe, but not quite Mark Bergevin level safe. Safe, at least right now. I have to agree with that. I truly, I don't think that... um... I don't know. I, I just, I want to turn the page on the Bergevin era and I want to look forward and I want to have faith that this team knows what they're doing. So our friend Claude uh, sent us an email uh, and this was after the draft, but kind of something to kind of sort of make us feel better. It's not really a question, but I did want to share. Uh, I have to, this is about Mitch lovers. I have to admit I was one of them. I like, I like the majority of casual fans based our opinion on his highlights without ever seeing him play a single full game. Hell, highlights even make soccer look interesting. Hey, listen, I take offense to that. Uh, all that to say that it is possible that Reinbacher may actually turn out to be a more complete player, the type of player that helps win championships. I pulled a quote from 2012 just as a reminder to be careful what you wish for. An extremely skilled winger, Yakupov is the hottest thing to come out of Russia since Alex Ovechkin and is already drawing comparisons to the superstar. So drafting is definitely uh, not an exact science. Yeah, and like here's the thing about Nail Yakupov is is that the Oilers in that era were a disaster. And quite frankly, were even with McDavid starting there and still have not fully gotten out of that pit yet. You can pick the best player in the draft. It is what you do afterwards that matters the most. Development does not stop the minute you pick a player. 
And yes, some of it is, okay, what are they doing at the junior level? Nell Yakupov was a very good junior player. And then they put him in the NHL because they needed somebody. It's like when the Canadians took Alex Galchenyuk in the lockout year, we're like, well, you're an NHL player because we need that right now. Had he stayed another year in junior, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. Uh, same with Kotkaniemi. Had he gone to another year in Finland instead of playing in the NHL, Slavkovsky will be in that debate as well until you know he sticks full time. Not you know what I mean there. I still think that I would have liked Mitchkov just because of the potential superstardom that is there. But like you said, it is easy to scout when you are watching highlights and you see all the good and only the good versus, oh, well, you know, I'm watching this game. Oh, they made this read here. They tend to not do this. And I think that's a lot why Reinbacher is getting that same level backlash is that the people who watched a lot of this have seen everything, the good and the bad in this. And that's not to say that Mitchkov doesn't have scouting reports are, well, he's not doing great at this, or he missed out on this. Same with Will Smith or other guys. It's just that people, when they want to have their bias confirmed on that, will go and seek out those videos that point out everything. Whereas when you want to be proven right, you will go be like, look at all these highlights that he did. Look at this and look at this dope thing. I could probably find that for David Reinbacher as well. Maybe not as flashy because, you know, not his style game. But I do fully understand, you know, where that sentiment comes from. And at the same time, I just kind of want to move past that. I, wa- I don't want David Reinbacher to have to try and compare himself to Michkov. That That's not fair to him because they're not the same player. They play different positions and they're going to put up different amount of points. It's fine. Let it play out and let the Canadians development team and everything work on what they're doing here. I am willing to take the chance to build. And like we went back to that first segment there, the next Kale McCarr and David Reinbacher sounds pretty great to me. Putting them together, you have a potential top pairing there. It, it's There's a lot of potential that can be very fun here. There's no reason to ruin it by thinking, well, what if? You don't need to think about your ex anymore. You can move on at some point and just enjoy what you have right now. And speaking of enjoying what we have right now, I think, you know, we, we, we are done with the mailback questions for today, but we didn't ask all of them. There's a lot of exciting, interesting ones coming up for later this week. Yes. Uh, if you want to tweet us your mailback questions to add on to that, at LO underscore Canadians, Lockdown Canadians, at gmail.com. You can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla on what is left of Twitter.com right now. As always, we appreciate all of you. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your daily podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube so you can see our shining faces as the summer wears on. we got plenty more to talk about as the summer rolls on, and we will see you all next time.